Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. New details emerging on the Chinese spy balloon. What was it capable of as it hovered over the U.S.? And what senators tell us after the White House briefed them on the incident? House Republicans puzzle over evidence they say shows the U.S. government may have been weaponized against its own people. Democrats accusing the committee of weaponizing Congress. President Biden again claiming Republicans want to cut Medicare and Social Security after he was heckled for those accusations already this week. Senator Rick Scott calling the allegation a lie and challenging the president to a debate. Meta restores Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts ahead of the 2024 election cycle. The company says it has new guardrails to deter repeat offenses. And heartache and harrowing conditions. Hundreds of thousands mourning the loss of loved ones in the wake of Turkish and Syrian quakes. Those left still struggling to survive. New information is out on what the Chinese surveillance balloon was capable of as it hovered over the U.S. Today, senior administration officials from the White House briefed senators on the issue. Here's NTD's Melina Weisscup. New details emerging on the CCP spy balloon, uncovering the first proof that it was indeed on an espionage mission because it did contain devices meant to intercept sensitive communications. A State Department official speaking anonymously to the Epoch Times said that it had multiple antennas to include an array likely capable of collecting and geolocating communications. It was also equipped with solar panels large enough to produce enough power to operate multiple active intelligence collection sensors. The Chinese regime is now accusing the U.S. of engaging in information warfare against China because these new discoveries directly contradict the previous claim by China that this was a weather balloon. Senators did receive a closed-door briefing by White House officials on the issue, and after that briefing, I asked many senators what is their current level, their current assessment of the level of threat that this balloon posed, and we got mixed reactions. Here's a look. Whether there was a threat or not, and I don't believe there was a threat, there wasn't. I also think there was a real threat to civil aviation. If not, why did the FAA issue ground stoppages? There are airplanes in parts of the country that couldn't fly for a defined period of time. Even what I am saying, they didn't send it over here by accident. Number one takeaway is that the Chinese Communist Party on issues like this, they don't tell the truth, right? They lie. I think the balloon presented a very low level threat. In the aftermath of this story, we can maybe talk about um, the real threats uh, posed to the United States uh, by uh, China. Other activities like what? Well, like their propaganda efforts, like the amount of fentanyl that's being sent from China into the United States. This is believed to be just a part of the communist regime's fleet of balloons that has been in operation for several years, traveling across at least 40 countries. I asked a few senators how they believe Western countries should respond now. Here's what they told me. Uh, we need to come together and recognize that there is really clear and present danger, increasingly so. They are a persistent threat. My question really is, why we are so late to the game. The entire civilized world should recognize that communist China is probably the gravest threat we've ever faced, more severe than Soviet Russia was. 
So we should take every step we can to try to reduce our dependency on China, try to build stronger military deterrence against them, and make it clear that we are going to defend freedom in the civilized world. The House, on a vote of 419 to 0, decried this act by the CCP as a brazen violation of U.S. sovereignty. And while both parties have disagreements about whether or not the administration handled this specific issue appropriately, there is more of a broad, uh, there is more of a bipartisan consensus about the need for the U.S. to counter China more broadly. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskopf, NTD News. And earlier today, I spoke with China affairs commentator Jennifer Zhang for her perspective on the CCP spy balloon and how the incident is being treated inside China. Jennifer Zhang, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, it's looking more and more like the Chinese Communist Party has been operating a vast surveillance program using so-called balloons, which you said the regime actually calls airships. What else are you seeing from inside China? How are the state media and the people reacting to the incident? I think the CCP is definitely trying to tear down this incident because for them, they lose their face because their airship was shot down by the U.S. So although the uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs published a very, uh, you know, strong statement, but it actually prohibited from Chinese people from commenting on that. So I think it's, it's trying to tear down this incident. It doesn't want the Chinese people to know this has happened. I think it wishes this page to be turned over as soon as possible. And Beijing has said that it reserves the right to take further necessary responses to the shooting down of the airship. There are reports that the U.S. may be considering punishing China for the violation. And you've said that this incident may mark a point of no return in our relations with China. Could you explain more about that? Yes, this because now it has been confirmed, confirmed by the U.S. military that this is this property or this balloon or airship was owned by the Chinese military. So a military, you, we can call it a device or vehicle or could be a weapon, has already in, intruded, you, you know, in, entered U.S. territory. So it, it can be regarded as an action of war or, or near war action. China-U.S. Uh, China relations has been deteriorating in recent years. And from this, this on, I think this accident uh, definitely escalate the conflict and now to the military level. So this definitely is a very serious issue. So many Chinese people are commenting, they, they create a very humorous statement saying U.S.-China relationships started from a small ball, which is the ping pong diplomacy back in 1970s. It started on the ping pong table. Now it's ended with a big ball. So many pe Chinese people really regarded the honeymoon or the friendship period between China and the U.S. has ended because of this big bull. All right. Jennifer Zhang, host of Inconvenient Truths and China Affairs commentator, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. House Republicans are ramping up investigations into the Biden family. They're now seeking documents from both Hunter Biden and the president's younger brother, James Biden. 
House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer sent out this letter yesterday. He says evidence shows that Hunter Biden engaged in foreign business deals with individuals connected to the Chinese Communist Party. Comer also sent a letter to James Biden. Comer's asking them to hand over documents regarding travel, financial activity and communications. And with Republicans in control of the House, they can now issue subpoenas. CBS reports that Comer didn't rule out subpoenas as early as April. That's if the Bidens don't meet the February 22nd deadline. However, a lawyer for Hunter Biden responded in a letter to Comer calling the accusations baseless. The lawyer also noted that lawmakers have limited power when it comes to Hunter Biden, as he is a private citizen. And staying on Capitol Hill and a newly formed committee, Republicans want to know whether the federal government has been weaponized against its own citizens. Democrats arguing that the new committee is a waste of time. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. Congress held its first hearing on the weaponization of the federal government, and Senator Chuck Grassley alleged the FBI continually interfered with his investigation into Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings. He said he was accused of spreading Russian disinformation. We acquired authentic bank records that substantiated findings of our previous two reports. They financially linked Hunter Biden and James Biden to entities and individuals connected with the communist Chinese regime. Are these official bank records Russian disinformation? Senator Ron Johnson testified about his experiences with alleged weaponization of the federal government. My first investigation ultimately revealed the extensive editing of then FBI Director James Comey uh, of his July 5th, 2016 statement that exonerated Secretary Clinton regarding her use of a private email server for official business. The edits were clearly made to downplay the seriousness of her actions. It is important to note those partisan edits were made by the same cast of characters in the FBI that would initiate and drive the corrupt Russian Trump collusion investigation. A former FBI special agent said he thinks the problem is because the power within the FBI has been centralized at the top. Traditionally in the FBI, field agent ran, had an investigation. He had a field supervisor above him. Above him was the agent in charge of that office. Only then did the information and the decision making go to FBI headquarters. What happened under Mueller's centralized thing, all of that was eliminated. They ran these key investigations, the Hillary Clinton email investigation, and then the Trump collusion investigation out of headquarters, eliminated all these layers of independent judgment, supervision, gone. And Senator Jamie Raskin gave examples of the alleged weaponization of the federal government during the Trump administration. Breaching the traditional separation between the president and Department of Justice criminal prosecutions Trump and his obliging sycophantic attorney generals like Jefferson Sessions and William Barr repeatedly pressured career prosecutors to go hard or go soft in particular cases, always seeking to reward Trump's friends or to punish his enemies. If weaponization of the Department of Justice has any meaning, this is it. Jason Perry, NTD News. President Biden travels to Florida warning voters about what he calls a GOP plan to cut Social Security. But the plan's author says it's not true. NTD's Iris Tao has more. A heated back and forth between Biden and Republicans. The president traveling to Tampa, Florida to bash what he calls a GOP plan to cut Social Security and Medicare. 
Now these guys want to cut it. I don't get it. I really don't. It's a theme that Biden's been hitting hard, especially during his State of the Union address. We saw on Tuesday night Republicans don't like me being called out on this. A lot of Republicans, their dream is to cut Social Security and Medicare. But Republicans say that's not true. Senator Rick Scott, the Florida Republican who's claimed Biden's targeting, says his proposal is to sunset all federal legislation every five years. The goal is to slash unnecessary programs while keeping the ones that are needed. Nobody believes that I want to cut Medicare or Social Security. I've never said it. I don't believe in that. I think we've got to preserve those benefits. Scott further hits back by calling Biden's attack a lie. He asked in Wednesday's statement if Biden thinks it also intends to get rid of the U.S. Navy and Border Patrol, which are also federal programs. And amid negotiations over the debt ceiling, the House Speaker has also assured... Cuts to Medicare and Social Security? They are off the table. But the White House is not buying that. Listen to how the press secretary responds to Senator Scott's defense Thursday morning. Scott's now calling for would be the largest cut to Medicare benefits in decades. Uh, every time Rick Scott opens his mouth, he proves the president's point. And now Senator Scott is inviting Biden to have a debate on the issue, saying on Thursday, quote, I'll be back in Florida tonight. You pick the time and place. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao with TD News. And only around 27 million people watched President Biden's State of the Union address on Tuesday. That's according to the Nielsen Media Research Center. That's down almost 30 percent from last year's speech and about half the viewership of Trump's first State of the Union address. Biden's first State of the Union address two years ago had the lowest viewership since Nielsen started counting in the early 90s. Viewership has seen a gradual steady decline since then. This year, the demographic breakdown was telling. 73% of viewers were 55 or older. And Florida lawmakers voted today to give Governor Ron DeSantis new power over the Disney theme parks. The State House fast-tracked a bill that would dissolve the Reedy Creek Improvement District, the 55-year-old government body that currently gives Disney control over the theme park land. DeSantis sparred with Disney last year over a bill he signed into law that restricts certain classroom instruction about sexual orientation and gender identity called the Parental Rights in Education Act. Disney vowed to have the law struck down. Last year, lawmakers voted to dissolve the district at the end of May 2023, and they just shortened the time frame. Now the bill is headed for DeSantis's desk. There's another issue that hasn't been addressed. Who will pay the district's $1 billion debt? According to the 1967 state law that created the district, if Florida dissolves it, the state must assume its debts. And more on Disney. The company announced a major restructuring this week. It plans to cut 7,000 jobs, which it says will save $5.5 billion in costs. The entertainment giant is the latest media company to announce job cuts in response to slowing subscriber growth and increased competition for viewers. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the move. Disney said Wednesday it plans to restructure into three segments, an entertainment unit for movies, television and streaming, a sports-focused ESPN unit, and a parks, experiences and products division. The 7,000 layoffs represent around 3.5% of Disney's global workforce. The order in which they go about this will share a bit of light or shed a bit of light on their priorities for this restructuring. Shares of Disney rose almost 5% at the news. 
Recently reinstated CEO Bob Iger says streaming will remain Disney's top priority and that the company will focus more on its core brands and franchises. Yeah, this is Iger coming in with sharp knives because he needs to prove a point. And I think Disney got way overdone in terms of hiring on the content side. And it sends a signal, sends a signal internally to the industry as well as Wall Street. The company reported its first quarterly decrease in subscriptions for its Disney Plus streaming service, which lost more than a billion dollars. Warner Brothers and Netflix previously underwent layoffs. If you look across the industry, Disney is not alone. There are a lot of companies right now which are really uh, paying the piper and seeing what they have to do here in order to keep functioning at where they want to be. The restructuring steps also include a promise to reinstate a share of profits and earnings to shareholders. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Former President Trump's accounts on Facebook and Instagram have been restored. The platform's parent company, Meta, confirmed the news today. The company suspended his accounts after the January 6th Capitol breach two years ago, even though Trump's last Facebook post called on protesters to remain peaceful. He has not posted on either account yet today. Trump now regains access to key platforms for voter outreach and fundraising ahead of his run for the White House in 2024. As of January, he had over 20 million followers on Instagram and over 30 million on Facebook. Meta once warns it could suspend Trump's accounts again if he violates its content policies. And turning now to international news, the plight of hundreds of thousands of people left homeless by earthquakes in Turkey and Syria is growing more desperate. Hope is fading of finding many more survivors amid the ruins of cities and towns. The death toll for Monday's quakes has now passed 20,000 across both countries. Rescue workers continue their painstaking work to find survivors in Turkey and Syria following Monday's quakes. In the Turkish city of Gaziantep, rescuers lay on the rubble of a collapsed building. They listened carefully for any sign of voices of survivors below the mass of concrete. Sometimes the effort is paying off. This quake victim in another city was pulled out alive after 72 hours under the rubble. In this Syrian town, a quake survivor is clutching body bags in front of his destroyed home. He's waiting for rescuers to recover his trapped family members. He said he had lost seven of them, including his wife. This bag that I'm holding is for my brother, his younger son, and both of their wives to put them in these bags. Hundreds of thousands have been left homeless across the region. When night falls, survivors seek shelter where they can find it. Some try to keep warm around fires. Parents took their children in the backs of cars. Others lie on the pavement covered with blankets. We are four families staying in this vehicle now. Thank God we came out fine, but the buildings we live in are uninhabitable right now. Not only us, but all the entire neighborhood we live in is like that. Thank God he spared us and the kids. The first United Nations convoy carrying aid to Syrians arrived on Thursday. The UN has been calling for assurances that there would be no political hindrances to getting aid to where it was most needed. Prior to the quake, more than 4 million people in northwest Syria depended on aid after 12 years of civil war. 
And back in the U.S., tragic news out of New Jersey. A council member was shot and killed. The second case in seven days. Yesterday, Russell Heller was found dead in his car. Just a week ago, a New Jersey councilwoman was found dead in her car with multiple gunshot wounds. However, police already have a suspect in Heller's case, but not for the other murder. Authorities say the two cases are not connected. And coming up, the Ukrainian president addresses the EU parliament in Brussels. What did he say to the European leaders and how did they respond? And in the NBA, superstar Kevin Durant is on the move again in a blockbuster trade as an already Western Conference power is now all in for 2023. That and more coming up. Over 200 prisoners from Nicaragua arrived in the United States today. The U.S. State Department said it arranged their transport after the Nicaraguan government freed them. Nicaragua said the prisoners had been found guilty of treason and other serious charges, but the U.S. said the people had suffered unjust imprisonment. Many of them are reportedly political opponents of Nicaragua's current ruler. The State Department said the individuals included journalists, students and others. Even a few Nicaraguan presidential hopefuls were reportedly among those released. And Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky gave a heartfelt speech to the European Parliament in Brussels this morning. He expressed confidence about Ukraine joining the EU and urged leaders to provide more weapons. NTD's Arlene Richards has the update. As Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky began wrapping up his European tour, he spoke to the European Parliament on Thursday morning. I thank everyone who helps Ukraine with the essentials, weapons and ammunition, energy equipment and fuel, thousands of things without which we couldn't make it amid total war. I thank you, dear lawmakers. He's confident Ukraine will become a member of the European Union after defeating Russia. We are moving closer to the European Union. Ukraine will be a member of the European Union. Ukraine, which is winning, will be a member of the European Union, which is winning. Ukraine officially applied to join the Union last February, just days after Russia invaded. Parliament President Roberta Mazzola assured Zelensky he had their full support in the war. We have your back. We were with you then. We are with you now. We will be with you for as long as it takes. Later in the day, speaking at an EU summit, Zelensky said some leaders offered more weapons, including aircraft. I have a number of bilaterals now. We are going to raise the issue of the fighter jets and other aircraft, so we continue our work here in Brussels. He didn't specify which EU countries were willing to send jets. Zelensky had visited Paris the day before, where he urged French and German leaders to provide heavy weapons and modern fighter jets to Ukraine. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz expressed his support. We stand firmly by Ukraine in its efforts to advance the defense of its own country, to defend values, its sovereignty, to territorial integrity. French President Emmanuel Macron assured Zelensky that France would help Ukraine defeat Russia. Meanwhile, after a visit to London yesterday, the UK Defense Secretary is exploring which of Britain's jets could be sent to Ukraine. 
Prime Minister Rishi Sunak assured Zelensky that, quote, nothing is off the table. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Kevin Durant is now a Phoenix Sun after a wild 24 hours of NBA trading. The Suns sent a massive haul to Brooklyn, three starting caliber players, along with four first-round picks over the next seven years, plus the option to swap picks in 2028 for the 34-year-old Durant and former son, TJ Warren. Yet Durant is considered worth the price. The 6'11 forward is a former MVP and four-time scoring champ whose ability to create his own shot is second to none, despite some recent injuries. His teaming with Phoenix's trio of stars in Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker immediately pushes the Suns into favorites out west. Conversely, the Nets, who just dealt all-star guard Kyrie Irving to Dallas, look to be back to square one. And in the NFL, Bills safety DeMar Hamlin was awarded the NFL Players Association Community Service Award after raising more than $9 million for a toy drive. Hamlin made national headlines earlier in the year when he collapsed during a game and had to be resuscitated on the field. The 24-year-old made a miraculous recovery, being released from the hospital just nine days later. His toy drive charity received plenty of attention during that time as his goal of $2,500 was far eclipsed. One of my favorite quotes, it's a blessing to be a blessing. Um, with that being said, I plan to never take this position for granted and always have an urgent approach in making a, a difference in the community. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, four games are on in the NBA, including Nikola Jokic and the West leading Denver Nuggets playing at the Orlando Magic. Meanwhile, in the college game, five ranked teams are in action, including top ranked Purdue, which hosts Iowa. And finally, for you hockey fans, seven games are on tap, including a rematch of last year's finals as the Tampa Bay Lightning host the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. And that's it for your sports news today. Steph, back to you. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.